It's 14 days before the election, and the race for Nelson City Council is heating up. Actually, it's not. Things are pretty mild around here, but that doesn't mean we don't need to know who we are voting for and take part in shaping our future. My guest today is Brenton Rabbi, who owns and operates a cafe on Baker Street. He's running for office because he is unhappy with the way the city has been handling climate mitigation, food security, transportation, and especially the opioids crisis. Let's get to know him. Hi, Brenton. So what are the issues and topics that are important for you? The issues that are important for me, one is regional and provincial cooperation in mitigating the stresses on Nelson City social services. For example, last night, the City of Trail Council held a vote in which they were about to close their only shelter and interior health outreach center in Nelson. That would close 18 beds and support for up to another 40 people that regionally here will have an effect on Nelson. So I think that's a, an issue that we have to look at. I think the roles and responsibilities related to residential development, commercial development are important. We have the big waterfront development known as shorelines going in. It's a large private marina a lot of commercial space on our waterfront. So from a planning standpoint, that's something that interests me. How does a city maintain access to its waterfront and those sort of community benefits? Tree is the core services, specifically the gyro park pool, the community pool that wasn't open again this summer, and some of the other park amenities that we have in Nelson. And finally, the one that's standing out for me right now is how the city is dealing with an increase in human-bear interactions mm -hmm. that unfortunately has led to the death of many bears. So I see that as being something also that is paramount for me and a lot of issues that sort of rise up as we start talking about bears. So yeah. there. So you're saying there is your thing that's important to you, but you're listening to the people, you listen to all the complaints and what people are needing. And those are the concerns Absolutely. you're hearing. Yeah, for sure. So for myself, it is that like the city council and people who have a concern about civic affairs, be really aware of what's unfolding in front of them, whether that's part of an overdose crisis or whether that's not effective snow plowing, just talk about the cities. One thing that comes up is this idea of how can the council prioritize what's occurring day to day for the citizens in Nelson. And I know what those issues are because I'm here in the city of Nelson. I think it's important that people, when they have their checklist of candidates, that if a candidate doesn't live in Nelson, that is something that they consider. It's not the final word, but it needs to be considered. Because what I'm experiencing in Nelson and what I'm hearing from my neighbors and the people I see every day because I live downtown is not the same as what I'm hearing this previous council say sometimes. And I think part of it is a result of imbalance of city councillors with too many who don't live here. So you're saying that if a council member doesn't live in Nelson or 
in downtown Nelson, it's hard for them to know what's going on in the city. There is a complete disconnect from counselors who do not, and staff, who do not live in Nelson with what is actually going on in Nelson. They can try, but they're still not getting it. What are the challenges that you see Nelson is facing? Wildfire interface priority. This council has done a good job on that and will continue with that work with the new council. So that wildfire interface and the threat from forest fires is big. All water supply is big. But what's standing out for me right now is our large capital projects, large expenses that the city is contemplating. You know, we're talking $5 million plus for a new library, $15 million plus for Nelson Hydro backup energy into the tens of millions of dollars for the new sewage plant upgrades. So these are costs that are going to be coming in and accumulating in a way, given that we're heading into a recession possibly, that interest rates and affordability are no longer going to be affecting the people who live here. They're going to be affecting the city itself. And I believe that responsibility financially for these city projects is not adequately covered right now. I also feel that on a climate change and environmental front, one of the biggest challenges we have is commuters are people who, for many good and valid reasons, drive in and out of Nelson. Mm -hmm. That includes what I would call, given that I have an urban background, almost the suburbs. So we become into an inevitable paradox where we have government, local government, or counselors who don't live in town, but in fact commute back and forth from what we could even generously call the suburbs, dictating to what would be the neighborhoods that comprise the actual city. And the contradiction is clear that the major source of greenhouse gas emissions is commuting and driving. So we have to somehow reconcile how we look at the suburbs with the city. And how do you reconcile that? What is your idea? So big ideas that I have is that we have to acknowledge the problem publicly mm -hmm. and that we have to keep it at the forefront. So understanding that commuting is a big problem in Nelson. Yeah, there's the series of aspirations that were outlined in the city document, Nelson Next, which I know very well has 40 plus different priority tactics. And as I look at this really dense document, I see assumption after assumption and mistake after mistake. And I see policy tactics that I in no circumstance would agree with. I see some that I do, but for the most part, I think the city of Nelson needs to ditch Nelson next and its aspirations and refocus what it's doing for climate change in a much more practical and attainable way. I hear that you're not I hear that you're upset from the climate plan that the city made and that you believe that it's not a practical one. What would you do different? How would you avoid making assumptions? Yeah, you know, there's a series of answers there, but the one I'm going to put forward right now really comes down to the capacity of this city council to get work done. The current city council has not lived up to it. So the next council, what they can do better is be better prepared, understand the material more, 
understand the role of local government more, live in the city of Nelson. I agree with Councillor Morrison, who's now running for mayor, that there have been too many closed private meetings. These meetings that council has undertaken, previous council, are closed to the public. And as she says, councillors continue the discussions into aspects that should be held in an open meeting. So I feel that I will, in a new council, I'm going to ask relevant and timely questions. I'm going to focus on not having private meetings where decisions are made improperly. But one of the other things I'll bring to the forefront for me is that I'm a strong supporter of heritage in Nelson, mm-hmm. especially the Touchstones Museum and the archives in Nelson. I would note that this year in March was Nelson's 125th anniversary, known as the Sesquicentennial. We have a council that did not even recognize it with an order or motion or resolution in council. They've ignored heritage. They're redefining things in a way that they think is suitable. And I think a new council needs to regain control and really set the city on a course for what's coming for businesses and what's coming for people's bottom financial line. Okay, let's focus on solutions. Solution for the food security in Nelson. How do you see the problem and what would be the solution? Yeah, so to focus in on food security, I'm going to start by saying what is not going to work. Having a harvest rescue team that is not supported in any real volume is not going to work. Councillors offering up ideas about an agroforestry, forest gardens on the outskirts of Nelson, also not going to work. The way the current council has taken over and put forward the market as being a farmer's market, also not going to work. None of these are effective ways to feed 11 to 20,000 people daily that live in Nelson. What Nelson and what council needs to do is accept that food security is an agricultural problem, not a gardening problem. And in doing so, we work with the province to increase our capacity in our regional partners from Preston through to Spokane City. We don't assume that Nelson, the city, is going to reach food security in any meaningful way as long as it skirts the issue that we need volume and that educational programs and small volunteer-based programs are not going to solve the problem. So to get there, I think we need to develop regional partnerships with people who are in the field of farming and agricultural. I think we need a serious farmer's market that is not an arts and crafts market. I sell ice cream at the market. Ice cream is not food security. Farmers are. And right now, the city farmer's market is not living up to the requirements of actual volume food, which is food security. So you are saying not the farmer's market, but actually what's happening in the farmer's market, that there is a lot of vendors that are not selling food. So if it was a farmer's market that sells mainly food, would that reach the goal? Correct. So if the goal is to feed people to establish food security, not simply education, then we need to change how this farmer's market is operating and make it a true farmer's market. 
what it is right now, it's a revenue generator for the city to support its own operations. And they have gone straight away from food security into the marketing. When I think about food security, I'm thinking about in the flood that we had a week that there was nothing yeah. in the stores. Yeah, that the highways remain maintained and that we have not on the street middle of the day in the hot sun, you know, we need processing capacity. We need agricultural growing capacity. We need to work with the regional district to work with the province to get this happening in the rural area around us. In terms of maintaining the links and ensuring that we have the links to the highway, that is a provincial consideration. The city plays no role in that at all and should devote no money to that. So what can the city do more in the wintertime when there is no farmer's market? So there is no farmer's market in the wintertime in Nelson because it does not make money sense for the operator of the market. What I mean by that is whether it was the eco-society or the city, they think that they can't make enough money out of it because the vendors are no longer vending. The arts and crafts vendors, they've gone on holidays. They're in Mexico. They don't vend. Obviously, it's not practical to be outside in the winter. So many cities who operate real farmer's market, not fake farmer's markets, but real ones, operate 12 months a year. The city, if at all, is supporting it by providing it with a venue, an inside place where farmers can pull in, put out their wares, have plug-ins for their refrigerators and their display freezers, and be out of the elements 12 months of a year. That's how a real farmer's market works, not without going Nelson. It's shameful what we're doing in Nelson. It, the reason I, if it was being done by a private business or a nonprofit to be raise revenue, that's fine. But this is the city has taken over a business for profit in direct competition with other businesses, not promoting farmers, but promoting arts and crafts. It's a duplicity. It, it has no legitimate role. And it certainly does nothing to help solve our food security, which is agricultural problem. It's big. And yes, there are plenty of agricultural products that would be available throughout the winter if there was an established location and a real desire on people in Nelson to be concerned about food security and see the value in shopping, not only from the local supermarkets, of which we have so many, but also the farmer's market. We want to take a quick break here and ask you to share this podcast on social media and messaging apps. This election will influence how much tax we pay and what they are used for. It will determine how we deal with the housing crisis, approach climate and fire mitigation, and fix the transportation problems in town. The link is nelson2022.ca. Please share it now and come back to the rest of the conversation. So Brenton, you own a cafe on Baker Street and you have the opportunity to see a lot of people every day. Do people talk with you about their concerns? What do you hear from people living downtown? So people reach out to me and I do have conversations with people. Looking at just say the last few weeks as it's become apparent there's an election and a campaign that's happening, I have been approached by several people and managed to sit and have some in-depth conversations that includes retired city mm -hmm. employees, includes people 
were directly affected by the euthanizing of the bears, but also because I do own and operate a cafe downtown Nelson, I get a chance to sit and have conversations with people just in the moment. So people do know me as super yeah. approachable. Is there any highlights worth mentioning from those conversations? And also, I wonder how is life in downtown Nelson? So in downtown Nelson and for the neighborhoods, my hope is that the city of Nelson can support a safe overdose prevention site that allows people to both inject and inhale street drugs and do so in a way that takes them off the street and has immediate support for them if they overdose. People in downtown Nelson should not meet their neighbors over watching somebody die from an overdose. Wow. That's tough. Yeah. So not two weeks ago, I sat there and watched in four. I can't. No, I'm not even going to. It's just a nightmare. Oh, no. And this is why I'm serious about it. it. People watching bears get shot. People watching people die in front of them. This is what's going on in the city of Nelson. This is what is happening. Forget climate change. If everything's great, everything's fine. Isn't life good? Yeah, yeah. Boom. It's not. Okay, just get over it. Pretend it doesn't exist. Again and again. There's a, an accumulative grief that's happening downtown after a series of overdose deaths over, a sphere, over the last few years. We're getting into 10, 15, 20, right? This is not normal for people to fend for themselves in these circumstances. It's... There is a disconnect between what happens at the provincial government and their support for drug users in the city of Nelson and what's actually happening. I understand that it could be worse, right? I do. But the fact that it could be worse does not lessen the impact on people who have to stand together in their nightgowns and pajamas, crying while they watch somebody die across the street again and again. It's not right. It's not sustainable. Wow. So what did you do about it? How did you process that? I, I'm okay, not. not. Nobody is. The professionals who attend these, the, and the fire department, the police, I don't know even if they're getting support in this. So not a month ago, I called because of an overdose. Right? He lived. Yay, he lived. Woohoo. Actually, he didn't live. He died, and then he came back to life. That's how this works. It was the one first time that an ambulance driver or a first responder came up and talked to me. Right? Hey, and gave me a chance to be like, hey, did I do the right thing? You know, because otherwise there's no feedback loop. Did I do the right thing? Did I do the wrong thing? I'll never do that again. How does that get dealt with? And with huge respect, this individual, the ambulance driver, took some time, and I could see it in his expression, that he had empathy, not just for the person who survived, but for the people who have witnessed it or were involved in it. Wow. I feel like I'm living in a different city than you. Um, I want to know more about it. Can you describe me a situation that happened? So I can connect more and understand what you're experiencing? I'll be specific. In one event, I witnessed three people overdose. 
One said they were sitting on the ground in the park next to me. One went sideways, one went backwards, one went forwards. The one who went backwards lived with medical intervention, first response. The one who went forward died despite first response. The third person got up and ran away. Most recently for me, and I looked over, so a gentleman who I'd known for many years who had caused the overdose of a boy, of a young man in town, of a young age, how it plays out is I look out my window. I see an obvious user, no judgment, start to prepare to use. I remind myself to just keep an eye out. I look out and depending on the drug that they've used, if it's a downer, benzos, fentanyl, heroin, they tend to fall over forward, usually on the ground. However, when an individual falls forward in a drug situation, it is also an indicator of a heart attack. So you really have to pay attention. If somebody is using methamphetamine or other concoctions, their muscles stiffen. So although they might be sitting on a bench, you'll see them go rigid and start to respond in a seizure way. Or a third way is people will start to want to pick up stones and manically move things around and tear their clothes mm -hmm. off. But if we're talking specifically about an overdose, if you have watched somebody inject and you're downtown and knowledgeable enough or up here, you keep an eye on them. And if after a minute or two, you feel that they are in a position that's awkward or is indicative of them being unconscious, you have three minutes to get over there, roll them over, shake them, and to determine if they in fact have just are the normal effects of the drug or if they have overdosed. This is the only way to do it. You have minutes and then you have to, then there's a series that you have to do in first aid. But what happens if the person is just nodded out and you turn them over and all of a sudden they're like, what, what, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you, it's an awkward moment for a regular person to try and decide whether they're going to intervene or not. My response is more trained at this point, and it's a bit unfortunate that it's trained to this point, but I don't hesitate. If I see a user who to me is demonstrating a sign of an overdose, whether they've fallen over or whether whatever that symptom would be, I intervene. And at the very least, I try and see if they're conscious. And if they are, then I back off and leave them to do their own thing. Thank you for listening. My name is Yael Feiner, and this was Brenton Rabbi. Next time, we're going to talk with Janice Morrison, who is running for mayor. We've got high interest rates. Everything costs more, not just housing. And residents are nervous that we're going to put taxes up to try to meet all these increasing costs. And I think that it's going to be key going forward to have really robust conversations at the council table to really decide what it is that the city needs to do. We have to provide core services. We have to provide that infrastructure. Everybody wants to be able to flush the toilet. You want to know that the fire truck's going to show up. You want to have the tap turn on. So these are important things that are the basic work of any municipal government. We just have to be honest. There's only one person that's paying for this, and it's the taxpayer. Please subscribe to this podcast and listen to the other candidates so you can vote for the people who represent you best. See you next time.